Welcome to the How Writers Write podcast, a show focused on inspiring and empowering you to become a better writer. Come along as we deconstruct the tips, routines, and motivations of your favorite authors. In the end, it's all about getting your story onto the page. Welcome to episode 51, How Kim Harrison Writes. This episode is sponsored by Happy Writer. Of course, this month in November 2020, we have a stacked amount of content for you. On top of the already growing library of challenges and courses and workshops, in November 2020, we have a writing workshop on how to be more productive, a masterclass with author Jennifer Probst, a storytelling spotlight with author James Wade, and another storytelling spotlight with Robert Desidario. As an FYI, the storytelling spotlights are insanely cool. Basically, it's a video series on exactly how an author writes a book, from their initial idea through the composition process all the way through the editing process. For those of you who want a real deep dive, it's like 15 videos from the author. They are incredible. You can grab all this content and join our community of creative writers for just $39 a month. 39 bucks. Think of all the things you spend $39 on and you can invest it in your writing life. So join us at howwriterswrite.com and I look forward to seeing you and happy writer. Okay, this episode is almost one year to the day of when I launched the podcast and what a year it has been. I have had like a total blast. And I'm thrilled to have Kim as my guest this week to celebrate the one-year anniversary of the How Writers Write podcast. Kim has so much practical and useful information to share in this episode. Make sure to check the show notes for a wonderful character tool that she uses to stay organized when she is working with multiple characters and settings. We cover so much here, and I know you will absolutely love it. Thank you to Kim again for her time. And now, my friends, without any further ado, here's the interview with Kim Harrison. Welcome to the How Writers Write podcast. I am your host, Brian, and today's special guest is Kim Harrison. Kim is the best known let me restart that. Kim is best known as the author of the New York Times number one bestselling Hollow series, but she has also published more than two dozen books spanning the gamut from young adult, accelerated science thriller, several, several anthologies, and has scripted two original graphic novels set in the Hollows universe. Kim also publishes traditional fantasy under the name Dawn Cook. Kim's most recent book, American Demon, was published on June 16th, 2020. Kim, welcome to the show. Hi, Brian. It is great to be here. Thanks. So before we get started, I have not yet heard Accelerated Science Thriller, and I wanted you to explain that to me, what that is. <laughs> yeah, um, I wrote this weird book, and I didn't know what kind of genre it was. I knew it was kind of a thriller, um, but... It, it kind of reached out past what we, we have now with our science. And um, so I just kind of coined the term accelerated science fiction thriller for it. Uh, it uh, okay. It's a mishmash. 
So, so it makes me feel a little bit better that I, I'm not missing a term. Like this is, you know, this is a, this is, you, you've just created a term for your, for your, yeah. for your work. I love it. I, I, um, it's funny you say that I'm going to kind of slightly rabbit hole here, but, um, I love the ideas of just creating, um, an expression for something that doesn't exist. You know, like, like you wrote a book and like, it doesn't quite fit anywhere. So we're just going to make something up. Um, one of the big things I want to do is come up with a new word for the word or the concept grok. Like, it's kind of the same thing where I just feel like it's such an awful word. I don't know. It just seems like, it seems like we need uh, to be able to have more creativity, just create new space like that. I don't know. It made me think about it. Just kind of like set that up in my brain. Um, I I love words and and I use them wrong all the time and I get called out on it. It's like, Hey, it's the creative part of all this. Right. Right. Totally. So, um, I I have so many things I want to talk to you about. I've done a bunch of research on you and, um, there's a, a couple different directions I want to go. The first thing that I think would be really interesting is to just to set up, be really fun to set up. Like what's a day in the life look like for you? There's a, there's a lot of people, there's a lot of people who are like, you know what? I want to write books and I want to write books for a long time. A lot of our listenership loves the idea of like writing series and we'll get into that. Um, but I, you know, I'd love to just touch base and be like, what does a typical working day look like for you? If there's such thing as sure. well. <laughs> sure. I have been working um, as a writer for almost 20 years now. So I've got a pretty good pattern in, in what I do every day. I work, um, I don't work on the weekends. Those are family time. Um, my boys are grown and out of the house, but it's darn it. I can't let go of my weekends. Those are for me. Uh, and I, I found that I need that rest. I need that those couple of days to just kind of let go and recharge. Uh, but I generally work um, from about nine to about three. I have been, um, the last year or so, I've been making a point to walk out of the office sooner. You know, I used to work till like five or six and it was great. I loved it. Um, it was nose to the grindstone all the time, you know, 24 seven, it felt like, but I'm getting older and I can't sit at my desk that long anymore without having back pains or knee pains or foot pains or whatever. So I've been making a point to get out at around three o'clock and do something physical. And I found that although my work output has dropped quite a bit, um, I feel better about it. I feel better about myself and where I am. And the ideas come faster too with that yeah. extra downtime. Yeah. You know, so um, I'm in the office. Yeah. It's, it's interesting. Cause I find, you know, with a lot of writers that I interview, a lot of authors that I interview that there's this really intensive, like cognitive work that's done at the desk when you're writing. Mm-hmm. And then there's almost like this second part of the day that happens yeah. and the subconscious starts churning and cooking and yeah. on the video um we can see each other the video is not not gonna be published but on the video i'm like massaging the back of my head like the crown <laughs> of my head i just feel like it's a good visual for everybody but it seems like it seems like there's almost a second part of the day that happens does that happen with you as well absolutely yeah. i get my best ideas when i'm out in the garden um i'm i'm an avid landscaper and it's a good downtime with your head pointed at the earth and your feet working and your fingers working in the dirt. Um, all those ideas that you've been trying to work on during the day, they seem to come a little easier when you're yeah. not concentrating on them. Yeah. It's almost like, 
it's almost like to a certain degree, there's a diminishing return of how much pressure you yeah. can put on something before it yep. starts to like get harder to get to. Yeah, you I know? agree totally with that. Yeah, it, it's like it's like the space it needs to fill the space. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay, so so you work from nine o'clock to three. I mean, are most days oh. like like full composing? Are you editing and composing as you go along? Like how, how does a typical draft kind of come sure. about for you? Um, I usually spend about two weeks coming up with a, um, a new plot line for a book. If it's a universe that I'm familiar with, if it's a brand new world, brand new characters, it'll take me a month. But if I'm familiar with the world and, and everything that's in it, it'll take me a week and I'll hammer out an outline. I start with index cards. And they slowly evolve into, you know, ideas and chapters and days of book time. And, and, and then I take the, the little note cards and I sit down and I write a page or two or three about what happens in that chapter, making sure I utilize all my, my notes. And then that slowly evolves into a three-page synopsis. And at that point, I take my three-page on my chapter and I'll sit down and I'll write the dialogue. I'll mm. just write the dialogue and mm. maybe some scene setting. And I'll do uh, that'll usually take me a day to do for a chapter. Um, and then it'll take me a couple of days to turn that dialogue into some text. And then I'll move on to the next chapter. And I will try not to go back to that first one. If I have come up with something I need to change, I'll open the file back up. And I'll write a note at the top of the, the margin about what I need to do, but I won't go and put it in. I found that if I go and put it in, I lose the whole day to that chapter. Yeah. And then I don't move forward. So it's the, the first, my first drafts are really ugly um, with notes all over, scribbled, and sometimes people change sexes. <laughs> the, you know, it's just, just it's wild and crazy, yeah. but I know I'm going to rewrite it again. So, so I don't put a whole lot of effort in making it perfect. Okay. So I love, uh, I, I am just so intrigued. Um, this is why I, that's why I always feel like I have the best job in the world. Like I just, I feel so fortunate that I get to do this because I get, I get to learn all this stuff. I'm like, how am I so lucky? So you start by writing just the dialogue out. Mm-hmm. How did, how did that, that's not, um, I'm not sure school, I mean, maybe I'm wrong. I'm not sure writing school or philosophy teaches that. So it sounds like not something that that's probably, you, yeah, you yeah. kind of decided you needed this. Yeah. How did I it come it. about that you realized like this was the way that I need to work? Oh, because I just would find a tangent and I'd follow it and I'd forget what I'm talking about. <laughs> I've, I've been doing this dialogue thing for probably about 15 years and I found it keeps me focused. It keeps me centered. I can, I still go off on those tangents. But with the dialogue there, I can bring it back and finish out my thought. Oh, wow. Do, do you find, and maybe because you've been doing this 15 years, it's not as clean of a comparison, but do you find that there is a, um, do you find that, that your work is, has more dialogue in it than what you maybe would have thought? Like, do, do you consider yourself, your work to have, to be dialogue heavy, or is it just that you have the right amount? I think it's a good balance. I usually yeah. have about three pages of, and when I, I found that the pattern of my chapters tend to be about a page to three pages are really heavy in setup. 
but the dialogue is still in there sparsely. And after I get past the setup, it's dialogue, 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 dialogue. Wow. And it goes much faster. And, and it just seems that's just my style at this point. Oh, I love um, it. it. I, it, I it love works. that. It works for me. You know, it's fun. <laughs> Again, that's why I love doing this. Um, I'm thinking about a scene that I was just working and I was, I was really struggling with it. It was just crawling. It was just crawling. And I was like, I'm going to cut it. But it was a good scene. It needed to be in there. It was interesting. But I just couldn't seem to get the momentum behind it. And mm-hmm. like, as you were saying, I was like, I wonder if I went back and I, do I have a picture of what the dialogue is? And I have a really clear picture of the dialogue. And it just made me think, oh, I wonder if I tried that, if it would open it up. And um, I'm sure there's a lot of people who are going to listen to this. I could feel the exact same way. Like, oh my gosh, I can open this up. Wow. That is so cool. So, so then you, you essentially are like kind of doing like a synopsis for each chapter, writing the dialogue and sequentially working your way then through your project. You, you yeah. could you could say that. I hate the word synopsis. Okay. <laughs> synopsis, that synopsis sounds so scary. It's so scary. Okay. I, I don't actually have any formal training um, in writing. Um, my schooling is as a biologist. This, <laughs> this was a very happy accident where I found myself. It was where I needed to be. So I really, I haven't taken a whole lot of classes. So these big words like synopsis scare me. <laughs> <laughs> oh my gosh, I love it. So how, uh, how, what, what was that process? Like how, how did you find your way into becoming a storyteller? Oh my gosh. Um, I used to work at Dow Chemical, believe it or not, in, in Michigan. Okay. And um, very, very young wife. And my husband and I both worked there and we got laid off when Dow started closing up their research facilities. And I, well, I needed some way to bring some income in. So I started a licensed family daycare. Well, that many kids kind of <laughs> drive nuts after a while. So to relax in the evening and money was really tight. So I wasn't buying books. I thought, well, at least maybe I could write one. And, you know, I I started and an hour turned into two hours, turned into all weekend, turned into, oh, my gosh, I really love this. I'm not any good at it, but I really love it. So I just stuck with it and found myself a great writer's critique group. And, you know, life got better and and things things kind of rolled along. Yeah. So. Where did you, I mean, as a, you know, before that period, did you ever have this idea? I want to be a writer. Yeah. I mean, no, (laughs) no, I am actually mildly dyslexic. And so spelling was really hard for me. And I had some good, good teachers and I had some bad teachers and I, it was very daunting to think that I could do this. And then spell check came along and it was like, oh my gosh. I could do this. Yeah. But I read, I read so much. And as I look back on it, I can tell that the science fiction and fantasy authors in the, in the seventies and early eighties, they were my teachers. Mm. I read and reread their stuff and picked it apart, even though I had no idea I was doing it at the time. And I learned pacing from them and structure and, and, just style. Wow. It was, it, yeah, I came I around it. the wrong way, but I got I, there. Yeah. But, but that's, I think that's part of the point. And, and this is, um, you know, another goal of the podcast is to kind of bust the perception of, 
how people come to writing or, or what does a writer look like? And do you have to have an MFA or yada, yada, yada? Like, like, what is it, what does it actually require? And, and, you know, you've so beautifully kind of articulated it requires this desire to tell a story, you know, and a commitment to the process. And it doesn't matter if, you know, you were, I think you said a biologist by training, like, yeah, yeah, you can, you can find your way into this. So I, I, I love this story. So if you could, if you could look back, right. So you said you've been at this 20 years and, um, dozens of published books and you could look back, right. And you could tell yourself something 20 years that you think would be just the most important thing to tell you. Like what, what if you could do that? What would you tell yourself when you were first starting this writing journey? What would I, what would I tell myself? Um, I'm not sure Mm. what I would tell myself. My first thought is to say persevere and stick with it. But I did, I did persevere and I did stick with it. Um, I think what I would say to myself would be to start sharing my work sooner than Mm. I did. Um, Don't keep it so private. Start getting other people's thoughts and ideas um, earlier than I did. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I, I'm and, and maybe take a class on creative writing. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's so funny. You but, but you know what you find your way through it, right? So um uh, last week, so yeah. we're recording this interview um in kind of early-ish October, early mid-October, somewhere in that range. And um last week we ran a big plotting challenge. And so we had about fifteen hundred writers, we had a you know Facebook group. And we basically said, we're going to teach, we had a, a development, developmental editor teach how to plot a book in five days. And it was great. It was a really fun event. One of the things that came up over and over and over and over again, and I'm so excited to talk to you about it because I feel like you are got to be an expert, is how do you plot a book when it is over a series of novels? So I guess not plot a novel, but how do you plot a series? And how, how do you, you keep tension going and how do you continue to add new twists and new turns and character development um, when you're looking at, you know, multiple books and not just one? Yeah, you'd think I'd be the right one to talk about that, wouldn't you? Um, <laughs> uh, how do you do when it? When I started the yeah, house. Yeah, how do you do uh, it? I, I don't. I don't. Okay. I don't. I, when I started the hollows, it was a three book deal. And then I got three more books added on. And then I got three more books added on. And then I got three more or four or whatever. And each time it was like, what am I going to do now? Um, even even today, I've, I'm plotting out um, a trilogy that may never see the light of day. <laughs> and um, I have, a, I, I've got the first one, you know, down solid. I've got it plotted out. And the second and third one are more like vague ideas of, I know what I want to do. I just don't know how I'm going to get there. And for me, I'm, I'm, a, I'm I love the plot, but I've got this thread of pantser in me and I don't want to know everything. Yeah. And so I love to wait until the first book is done and it always leaves threads that need to be answered. And it's those that I build on, for the next book. So I actually don't plot out an entire series. I just have an end, an ultimate end goal. Like for the hollows, it was, I need to save Ivy. And 
that just kept getting pushed out and I kept adding obstacles and adding new characters that would, you know, enrich the environment of the book. And book 12, I did save Ivy. Now I reopened the series and I have to come up with a new grand idea yeah. that I'm working towards. How do those ideas come to you? Uh, well, you know, for the, the first kernel of an idea can come from anything. I've gotten them from songs. I've mm. gotten them from commercials. I hate to say that, but I've gotten <laughs> ideas from commercials. Um, I don't get a whole lot of ideas from reading other people's books because it, to me, that's almost like poaching. Um, right. It's like, I, I want to find my ideas from outside. Um, I, I get them from my kids a lot of times. Um, but mostly it's, I see something in the world that I don't like an injustice or a better way to do something or but mostly it's injustice and it bugs me and it bugs me and it bugs me. And I think a lot of writers write to work through something. Mm -hmm. And mm -hmm. so a lot of my body of work is me working through things in an entertaining way. So and I would say that that's, that's where I get most of my ideas. Yeah. And, and do you feel like exploring those ideas through writing like does it help you like do, do you feel like you get to the yes. end of the book and you're like I understand this better than, um, than how I started it or feel better about it I, I don't know the right way to phrase yeah, that point um usually it I, I work when I'm working through something um like my dad my dad had Alzheimer's and so that impacted one of my my science thrillers and I work through it while I'm working on the book but when I get done with the book I'm still thinking about it I'm still it's never quite done for me yeah. and there's oh I'm I'm always looking at the next step well what if this what if that is there a better way so no I can't say that when I get done that that um the session's over you know <laughs> yeah right it, it's still there yeah that I mean this is all this is also it's also interesting I I um I find I kind of come to writing in the same way where something bugs me or have this idea and, um, it's, you know, I, I, I want to explore it cause I don't know if I can think about it in any other way other than writing about it. Like it just, it just doesn't seem like my, my normal brain can get there, you know, and there's something about actually writing it down and exploring it through characters yeah. that it just gives you a, a, a really interesting, beautiful perspective. I think that's why storytelling is so powerful. It's cause you can see things you maybe didn't see with like mm -hmm. your rational mind, you know? Mm -hmm. Yeah. So um, I love that you're a big plotter because I, like I said, we just came up with this big plotting push. And so it's like fresh in my head. What, what does that process look like for you? Like when you're going to plot a book, do you always start with the same plot point? Do you sometimes start with different plot points? Do you think in plot points? What's it mean to you to plot? Um, you know, it's evolved over the years, but by now it's, it's pretty well baked into my process. Um, I usually start if it's a series that I'm comfortable with, I'll, I'll throw down some plot lines that I haven't, you know, finished with um, or that have sprung up. Um, I'll put down even ideas like I want to see so-and-so at the zoo just so I can get their idea of how they think about animals in cages kind of thing. Mm. Um, or I'll throw down an idea like we need to get so-and-so a new hobby and I won't even know what that is. And and that's, I, I threw down my wants and then 
that usually takes a page. And then I start thinking about, well, how, what can I, what kind of story can I structure to see these, to address my wants and to address the plot lines I've left. Um, and at that point, I start thinking about what's, you know, who's the big, bad, ugly, uh, what do we need to do to, you know, solve this issue. Um, and then I get out my index cards. Mm. And so are, are you like, in, like, is it, do you have like a bulletin board or something where you're pinning them and moving them? Or are they no, like on a big desk? No, like on the floor? I've got this little, no, I've, I've, I have done that, but usually <laughs> I can contain it to my little four by three desk. <laughs> <laughs> and, and my, I've got these tiny little index cards. They're half index cards. And I just throw down an idea on it. One, one sentence so that I can shuffle them around like Ivy finds a cat. Um, and I need to find the cat before she does this. Oh no, she needs to find the cat before she does that. So everything gets shuffled around and, and, and arranged. And finally, when I feel like I've got it in order, then I turn the computer on all, all, everything beforehand is handwritten. Yeah. Yeah. Do you, do you wind up building like a structured outline? Do you then start writing from the note cards? Um, um, I start well, the note cards turn into the, the one-page okay. um, chapter outline thing. Not the synopsis. Um, no, not the <laughs> synopsis. Um, but, um, oh, where was I going with this? The one-page outlines? Yeah. Oh, well, I don't even remember where I was going with it. Oh, oh, I, let me see if I, I know it won't show up on, on your, uh, your, the podcast, but if I can find one, I have this, I use one piece of uh, software. Nope, I don't have one handy. It, and I I keep track of the entire book on it. I've got this one around my character grid and I've got, oh, I really want you to see this. Otherwise I wouldn't be spending so much time with it. I love my character grid. I make it on an Excel spreadsheet and it's got characters on one side, chapters across the top and little X's to show who's in and what. And I can see the entire book at a glance with this thing. And I'm not going to be able to find one. I'm sorry. Anyway. Maybe we can like include a picture of it or something. Yeah. Yeah. I know I've got one. That's not it. That's not it. Oh, okay. I'll, I'll, oh, there it is. Sorry. Can, can, can you see that? Oh, it looks beautiful. Yeah. <laughs> the colors shift when the day shifts. I've got characters down one side. I've got um, where the scene takes place on the top. And then on the bottom, I have what happens in it in one sentence so that I can see at a glance who, who's where who's interacting, what's going on. And um, I actually use it quite a lot in rewrite because if my editor says we need to do blah, 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 I can look at that sheet and say, well, this is when those two characters are in the same scene together and I can wedge it right in here. Mm. And so it's, I call it my character grid and it's got the sunrise and sunset on it because that's important when you're dealing with vampires. And um, the the full names and and it's just it's a beautiful piece of technology that I just kind of evolved from an old Excel spreadsheet. Oh man, I love it! I love your 
Um, I'm a big organizer too. And I, I think it, you know, especially when you have lots of characters in different locations, like bringing organization always feels so good. So like, I love how organized your writing process. It's like, it's like, this is a process for you. Like you kind of have your way of doing things. It seems like really well nailed. Um, that I think in a lot of ways just helps people focus on the creativity part of it. Like, you don't have to think, how am I going to do this? Cause you kind of answer that how, and that's a huge benefit, I think. At least I believe that. It can, it can be as long as you let, as long as you haven't nailed it down so hard that you, you've scrunched all the creativity out of it. Like you got to leave some room for the surprises. Yeah. And I learned that the hard way. Yeah. Yeah. That's just so interesting. That's so interesting. Um, so we are quickly approaching our time when I get to ask you the final five questions for this podcast. So essentially, for anyone who's listening for the first time, I ask every single person, every single guest, the exact same questions. Um, and I do this just because it's so fun to baseline the different ways that people respond to these questions. It makes it super, super fun. Um, and so I'm going to ask you these questions and, uh, we'll see, we'll see where this, this takes us. So question number one, and, uh, this is a new question. I don't think it was on the ones that I sent to you, which makes it that much more fun. I know, I know I'm sneaking one in here. Question number one, if you had to pick one word that best describes you, what word would that be? (laughs) Chaotic. Chaotic. (laughs) But you, don't sound chaotic. Chaotic, but you don't sound chaotic to me. Oh, no, it's all chaotic upstairs. Oh, my. It really is. Yeah. Oh, my. I try to be methodical, and, and I am, but there is so many, there's so many things um, coming in. Um, and then I have, uh, I'm, have you heard the Myers-Briggs personality? Yeah. Test? Yeah, yeah, I love okay. I'm an, Yeah, I'm an INTP which means I am constantly taking in information and I digest it sometimes to an unhealthy extreme before I decide what it means and, you know, apply it to my, my external world. Oh my. So it's very chaotic. <laughs> Even if they look calm and sedate, and for the most part, I am calm and sedate, but there's always something churning in my head. Oh my. Oh wow. That's so, that's so, that, see, this is why I love this. It's so interesting. I Like having chatting with you. I don't think I would have guessed that. Hmm. Okay. Um, second question. If you had to pick a spirit book, so this is a book, like if you died and were reincarnated as a book, which book would it be? <laughs> oh, I think it would be Dandelion Wine by Ray Bradbury. Oh, I he love is that book. hands down my favorite writer. And I think I read that book every summer for you know, um, my my tender formative years, <laughs> um, and I soaked it in, and I loved it. And and if I could pattern my life after that, I would. I, I he, he writes so poetically, and every time I try to write poetically, my editor comes along and says, "This doesn't make any sense." <laughs> but and I end up taking it out. But um, yeah, if I could write like that, I would feel like I finally made it, and I finally did something good. Oh. I love, I'm, I'm, I love that book. I'm, I'm with you on it. Okay. Question number three, is there a specific tool? It can be anything at all, pencil, software, chair that you absolutely must have to write? Yeah. Um, 
I would like to say I have to have my office because mm. my office has my comfy chair and my, my, my kneeling chair and, and all my supplies and, and my printer and everything. But I found that I can write from an RV with mm. a fold up chair and my laptop. So uh, about the only thing I need, I think, is a keyboard and a screen at this point. Um, yeah. I know that sounds really simple. Um, I, I, I would like to be able to cultivate. I used to cultivate that I could write anywhere, which, you know, I can. But I have to designate a spot as my office and write there so that when I walk out of my office, I can at least try to turn my brain off and live a normal life. It doesn't always happen because <laughs> writers always have their, their minds going. But having a spot, my office, that I say I am in my office, I'm writing, now I'm out of my office and I'm doing normal things. That's that's the most important thing I need. Oh, I love it. The division, the division. Yeah, I love it. I'm I'm with you on that one. That that like having like a sacred space to write, I feel like is just so, you know, and and it's it's I I get not everyone has that, and um I I've been there most of most of my life, but but even if it's just even if the sacred space is at a sacred time, you know, it's the mm-hmm. same space but a different time. You know, mm-hmm. I I just think it's such a powerful it is to have have a division where you listen and concentrate i'm here this is what i'm doing and now i'm over there and i can let my brain rest yeah totally yes totally okay question number four how do you deal with the constant ups and downs of the writing life (laughs) (laughs) oh i'm still learning how to deal with the ups and downs of uh, the writing life um I guess you just have to concentrate on the work mm-hmm. and stay off of social media. I found that social media is great as far as keeping in contact with your readers and getting support from them and other writers and getting support from them. But it, it, it can be um, a two-edged sword if you find yourself going on and checking and checking your, your feeds and, and interacting too much. You're not doing what you love, which is the writing which is the creative creative process so i guess that would be it yeah yeah i i love that focusing on the work i mean it's such it's such it's just like when all else fails focus focus Mm -hmm. on the work right (laughs) okay last question ignore what everybody else is doing yeah just focus on your yes let, let go let go. Golf is you're not playing against your partner. You're playing against right. your last score. Yeah. Yeah. Go, I, yeah. Yeah. I'm going to leave golf alone. Not okay. Go <laughs> no. Yeah. 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 I, I'm not going there. All right. Last question. If you could give one piece of advice for new writers out there, what would it be? Oh my goodness. I would say, and it's going to sound like a broken record. Um, write like you already have the contract in hand. Mm which means intently and with purpose. Um, Go from A to B in that rough draft. Don't go back and and start editing until you reach the end, because if you do, you're never going to reach the end and you're going to feel like you're not doing, like you're not moving forward. Once you hit that end, you can go back and, and rewrite it. So you write like you have the contract and you have a deadline and get your butt in the chair and 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 do it i know it's hard to concentrate especially right now yeah um but but lose yourself in the work yeah yeah i yeah 
I think that's such good advice. It's like, it's like, um, it's almost like you, you enlist the pretend creative side into your own life. And eventually if you pretend long enough and act like you're that way long enough, you wind up, you're living your way into it. Yeah. Yeah, Which is really powerful. Yeah. Kim, thank you so much for your time. I, I, this has been such a fun interview and I love your process and your structure and your organization. And also knowing now I'm like kind of intrigued. I'm like, wait, you're chaotic inside, but you're, you seem so buttoned up on the outside. I'm, it's just this weird, you know, cognitive dissonance, but I've so enjoyed talking to you. Well, and, uh, appreciate you. I, I'm so glad you asked me. This yep. has been a lot of fun. Yeah. Thank you so much. I appreciate it. Thank you. Thank you again to Kim for her time. If you haven't yet, give us a rating on iTunes and a review. That would mean the world to me. Also, check me out on Instagram and Facebook. It's where I spend some time. And as always, I'd love to welcome you into Happy Writer. So join us, howwriterswrite.com, and you can join for just 39 bucks. Thank you again for listening, my dear listeners, and I hope you have a wonderful week of writing.